Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our 500th episode. Um, very, very exciting. We got a huge, uh, huge guest coming up here in just a sec. But uh, guys, um, did you ever think when we were coming up with this uh, little pod idea at on the golf course at Eric's wedding, <laughs> you think we'd be getting to 500 episodes? Nope. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. And I think it's it's funny because how many years has it been for us now? 12. 12 years. And yeah, when we were coming up for that, I remember the initial discussions over cigars on that golf course and us talking about, oh, you know, this would be really good and just wanting to do it for us so that it existed. And then there were, you know, I don't know, four or five years where it was very much a family and friends affair. And (laughs) I bring that up only because, I mean, talk about a way to ring in 500. So many of you listened to last week's Nebraska pod. Um, Just it was and and obviously it was an incredible celebration. Um, But I mean, for. I mean, we've seen our numbers go up and up and up and up and up. But I mean, I think you you dovetail that with the pent up emotion built that built up all of last season and the desire to, to to have a group celebration, and we felt the full force of that in episode four ninety nine in terms of the amount of you who who listened. And it's I mean, we couldn't have asked for a better way to roll into number five hundred. Without further ado, let's let's get to our guest uh, before. Uh, we get to uh, Joe Spivak. Um, we want to take you back, uh, you know, kind of in a previously on, going all the way back to episode 298, uh, where we were talking about the recruiting class of 2017. And, uh, you know, just kind of keep that in mind as you uh, listen to this. We do have a number of preferred walk-ons coming in. Uh, one in particular who we'll, we'll talk about in a second, but uh, Cody Gronewald, a punter from Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, is going to be coming to walk on. We got Will Lansbury, a wide receiver uh, from Pebble Beach, California. Eric Mueller, a uh, linebacker from Wheaton. Uh, he went to Wheaton North. Alex Olsner, a uh, superback from Niwot, Colorado, just outside my hometown there. Uh, Peter Snodgrass, a long snapper from Palo Alto. And uh, Joe Spivak, a defensive tackle, 5'11, oh, 287. Boy. Uh, from Darien, <laughs> Illinois. This is, this is a kid who had a scholarship offer from Michigan State and turned it down to walk on to Northwestern. So we can debate who the number one player in this class is, but there's no debate over the player most likely to wear number one at Northwestern sometime in the future, and that's Joe Spivak. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Westlaw Pirates proudly bring to you for our special 500th episode. He is number one in your playbook. He is number one in your hearts. He is the future undisputed universal WWE champion of the world. He is Joe Spivak. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me on episode 500, baby. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. It's the same as Nebraska's record, 500. We love it. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that was, amazing. Hey, we didn't know. Uh, I think Nebraska's taken 500 where they were sitting at halftime of that North Dakota game. 500 was looking pretty good to them at that point. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, they, they were begging for it. <laughs> yeah. 
We are so excited to, to be able to have you on. It's funny, like this is 500 for us. Like we were saying, it's like almost like 500, 500th episode, 500th birthday for us. If there's such a thing as a human birthday cake, it is you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will take it. I will take it. Um, so we were, we kind of wanted to go, well, again, we're thinking all kind of introspective, retrospective, memory lane, going down, playing the hits. Um, for and sure. You factor in so much with that. And one of the ways that we kind of wanted to get into it was, so we went back, we went into the archives. We went back into the archives all the way back to um, episode 300. We had a kind of 300th episode, spectacular. And cool. same kind of same kind of thing, went through all this stuff. Two episodes before that, and, and we played a little clip right, right before uh, we had you come on, but two episodes before that, we previewed the 2017 Northwestern recruiting class. Uh, How about that? The Sav Savage Cat 17, as we were known on Twitter, baby. Hell that's, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's yep. get that hashtag going again. That's right. Um, and we were, so, so first thing, starting right there, um, you know, we were joking, and, and this is a class, because we were talking about, we did all this stuff for the 300, and the stuff that has happened between episode 300 and episode 500 has been absolutely off the rails. And that Absolutely. Savage Cats 2017, great way to get at it. We were looking at it. This was a class that Cough Cough Rivals had as the number 56 class in the country, which won two division titles, includes the best left tackle in the NFL. Let's just hey. stop right there. I was just yeah. going to say, let's just say Rashawn Slater cut the podcast and call it a day. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Mike <laughs> Through the rest of us, he's taking care of the whole thing. That's right. Uh, you've got... A Super Bowl-winning defensive lineman, Ernie Brown. Um, shout out to AB. Love it. Uh, all Big Ten linebacker, Blake Gallagher. Gallagher. Real quickly, shout out to Blake Gallagher, my best friend. And in my eyes, we can get in the weeds on this. The best college football player I played with at my time. Oh, awesome. Um, Sam Duke Miller, freshman All-American, amongst other, amongst other great stars. And amongst so many other names, a WWE superstar. Uh, I mean, I, I have to say, guys, I feel like you're breezing past the power and the prowess of the walk-ons, man. You're talking about Chris Bergens, Troy Hudetz, Eric Mueller's, probably the best walk-on class, if I'm going to be so bold to say, that ever came into Northwestern. And we're, we're making waves to this day. So I, I, with all due respect, let's not forget about the walk-ons there. Uh, oh, absolutely. Ab absolutely. And so, <laughs> so we were going to say, even today, right, e Ethan Wiedeker is in that class. He's still playing out there, playing right tackle. So I the mean, old man it's, holding it down out there. It seems pretty obvious, but I mean, you've already said, what kind of connection do you have with that class, you know, even today? Absolutely. I mean, I'll start by saying, I'll start by directly not answering your question before I do answer <laughs> your question. Um, I think one of the cool, it just, it, you guys just remind me that I think one of the coolest, coolest things about college football is that when I came in as a freshman, I had guys like Tyler Lancaster and Fred Wyatt that I am still so, so close with. And then by the time I was leaving, I had guys like, you know, um, a Jack Olson and an Aiden Hubbard and a Carmen Bastone. So I have this range of 10 years in age gap um, that is so, so amazing. Um, and that's one of the beautiful things about college football is that you get that giant range of relationships that all have their own unique um, part of it. Um, but as far as my class, you know, the Savage Cats, as we were known on Twitter, um, so tight. That is where, you know, I, have, I, I spent the most time with those guys. Obviously, we were on the same wavelength as far as, you know, what we were going through in the locker room, out of the locker room. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about college athletics is you, get, you have no choice 
but to get so close with guys so quickly when you're away from home for the first time. And that, that's a special, special thing. I just want to apologize if you guys hear. We got a little background noise. Um, the heat is out in Joe Spivak's apartment right now. So oh, I am no. struggling, <laughs> but the guys just showed up. So I'm not turning them away. They're, they're getting their job done. Um, who knows? They might even be big time football fans. We call them over. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, so kind of on the, on the back of that, right. Um, and, and this is kind of what we were talking about before. We were like, you know, here's us. You know, we intro you guys in that class in 298. Two episodes later, we're doing episode 300. We're thinking, oh, all these things have done. And then the amount of stuff, just that your class, you know, the amount of experiences, the amount of accolades, titles you guys brought in, everything else um, that happened since then has just been absolutely epic. And I mean, you, I mean, you kind of marked the time through this crazy ride for us for those 200 episodes and, and everything that the team achieved. If I just put you on the spot and I'm like, all the great stuff that happened, what's the first thing that just jumps into your head when you think about that incredible stretch, you know, of your time at NU? Yeah, obviously thankful for it all, but I have, I have such a hard time um, not thinking of that 2020 season. It was so, so unique in that it was marked, you know, for the first the, all the, the whole entire preseason and the, the off season going into that season was marked by, are we going to even have a season? So there was all these questions. There were all these new emotions. Obviously there was so much unrest in the country in that off season too, that um, the team came very close. And so there was so many factors leading into that season that were unique to 2020. Um, but then to be able to be told that after flip-flopping a few times, that yes, the season is on and then to come together and just, frankly locked down with that group of dudes um, and get the job done week in and week out. Um, it was a really, really special time. You kind of had no choice, but to embrace it and embrace the grind, embrace that you were getting COVID tested every, every single day, embrace that you weren't going to see anybody outside of the football team um, and embrace that it was going to be worth it. And it was worth it when we won the Sixers Bowl down here in Orlando, back in Orlando, but um absolutely love love that 2020 season and i just think it was uh even though it was so different it was very pure in that all it was was the football and the team and let me go in on that i'm wondering like it was such a weird year i mean obviously but like for you guys who all you had was the team you know what was that like being completely cut off from like everyone else uh you know i think I think that there was a a large part of it that kind of gave you that chip on your shoulder that, you know, we were doing this anyways. And you saw some teams during that season just fold and immediately say, oh, well, it's the 2020 year. It's going to have an asterisk by it anyways. What's the point? We never asked what's the point. We absolutely took being alone, having this special grind as a chip on our shoulder and a feather in our cap that, okay, despite all of this, despite we, can only see our families from a 10 foot distance after a, after a home win or whatever. Um, despite all of that, we have each other. And I mean, I, 2020 was so hard on so many people. So for me, it was also like, I get to be here and train and practice and still play football. Like 2020, whether it was COVID, whether it was unrest, whatever it was in the, in the world at the time um, was taking a lot bigger tolls on people than not being able to see my family after a home one. So it was just kind of, I think it kind of unlocks a little bit of a perspective that our whole entire team embraced a perspective of just giving thanks for each other and that we still get to play college football. And guess what? We got a good squad to do it with. How, how weird was it playing in empty stadiums? 
It was very weird. It was very weird. Um, it was fun because then when we got to the we got to the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis, and I think they allowed I want to say like five or ten thousand in that giant stadium, and it felt like it was packed because we had been playing with no one the entire year. So then five thousand people was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. But uh, I'll never ever forget. Obviously, that Michigan State loss was not good. It was a that was a one of what a, a loss that I will never forget. A horrible taste in my mouth to this day. Um, but, you know, I can remember just a quick story for you guys. I can remember going through recruiting and walking through the tunnel in the Michigan State Spartan Stadium and just thinking, oh, this is cool. Obviously, every single bit of recruiting is amazing. So you, you're doing a little entrance um, through their stadium on their recruiting visit or whatever. And during that game, fast forward four years, we're in 2020. I go out on the field, take a play at fullback, bust my face open. Guys, there was so much blood. I swear to you, I thought a water balloon hit my head. That's what it felt like. I go running off to the sideline, and the first thing I see is just disgust and horror on our trainer's face, which is the last thing you want to see from your physical trainer. (laughs) So I'm like freaking out. They give me stitched up. They're like, we're running to the locker room. I'm like, okay, okay. We run back there. And there was this really weird but cool moment in that tough, tough loss of a game where I was in that same tunnel I was in on my recruiting visit face stitched up middle of a football game and I'm jogging through to go back out there and no one was around me and no one's in the crowd and there's just this silence and it was a really kind of badass and cool moment um, that I'll never forget that I feel like kind of sums up that like it was really really an interesting experience playing in those stadiums that as we're seeing I'm, I'm so excited are so used to housing you know, hundreds of thousands of people. And um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And like I said, I was, I was blessed in my time to play at the big house in Nebraska multiple times, Wisconsin multiple times. So I'll take the 2020 season because that was unique and special in its own way. I'm, I, I just want to say, Joe, I, I'm so sorry to hear about that, that injury and, and all that <laughs> blood. And I'm, I'm so glad you've chosen a career where that can never happen again. Exactly. <laughs> I, I am. May as well be behind a computer. I'm so safe nowadays. I'm good. <laughs> I was going to ask if that was if that was part of the uh, if that was a moment that that fed into your desire to to go into wrestling, or if that's something that that way predated any of your experiences in college football. <laughs> I think I think there's a little more. There's definitely more that went into uh, um, my reason for pursuing sports entertainment and wrestling with the WWE. Um, but I absolutely love. Love the violence, love the controlled chaos. Um, obviously, it's very different than in football, but uh, absolutely need a dose of that in my life, um, wherever I'm at in my life, for sure. I was curious. So, you know, kind of a theme that you talked about with the 2020 season and even before that, and kind of a theme that's kind of like a, a through line that runs all the way into the WWE, I guess, is this idea of family. And you're kind of, in addition to the Northwestern football family overall, kind of a part of a couple interesting families and clubs, one of which is the number one club, um, which talking, we talked about the, the accolades of the, of the 2017 recruiting class. I mean, this number one, the number one club, you've got two current NFL football players, Anthony Walker, Tyler Lancaster. Um, you've got, you know, a, a doctoral candidate in Chad Hanaoka. Um, the best. Absolutely. And then, um, Bo Sizek, who, you know, for us, and this goes back to the history of our pod, I mean, for us, he was almost like Joe Spivak before Joe Spivak. I mean, I, you know. (laughs) Absolutely. I love Bo. I met Bo multiple times. I actually guys can remember, I went to, I was probably in 
seventh grade around there. It was Bo's senior day. And I had a family friend <laughs> of, who was at Northwestern. Um, I had a family friend who was, who was a big Northwestern ticket holder. And we were on the sideline when they were doing um, the senior day entrances. I'll never forget the last person they introduced was number one, Bo Sissek. And I just remember the crowd erupting. And it was my first time I ever saw a big dude in the number one. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I've since met Bo multiple times and we have a decent, we have a solid relationship, but I will never forget seeing him come out here in number one and thinking like, Oh, here comes a DB or something and seeing the big man running out number one and just thinking that was the coolest thing. One of my favorite memories as a fan is at the end of that game, when Fitz let Bo carry the ball twice, trying to bust into the goal line and score a touchdown. And we were all just going ballistic in the stands because it would have been the greatest, uh, greatest thing if you've been actually able to, 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 to break through. I mean, you, it's probably, it's probably a godsend it didn't happen because Evanston <laughs> would have burned to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, did, it, like now you have me thinking, is there some photograph out, out in the world somewhere of Bo Sizek with seventh grade, Joe Spivak standing next probably to Probably not. I, I have a, I have a picture from that game. Seventh grade, Joe Spivak is, looking about exactly what you expect seventh grade Joe Spivak to look like. Um, I, I just remember, I just remember the game. It's me. I'm there. The picture is me rocking the Northwestern. My sister who swam at Illinois is rocking her Illinois uh, letterman's jacket. Hate to see it, but uh, nevertheless, no, no pictures were taken with Bo at the time. Um, I don't even know if we've got a picture with Bo since we've seen him show there a lot. So it's kind of messed up. Now that I think about it. Oh, well, we'll have to make that happen at some point. Yeah. Uh, want to ask you about your transition from you know playing football into the WWE. Like, what's that been like? I mean, you got the uh, part of the NIL program, and now you're down in Orlando training. Um, you know, we're seeing you on NXT pay per views, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, how is how is that transition been going? Yeah, but but holding it down on the pay per views with the security, the Dallas boys get a little out of hand. So we're, <laughs> we're doing things, but. Uh, no, the transition has been really, really fun, really exciting. Um, definitely not seamless, but definitely smooth. You know, I was very, very blessed to be a part of that NIL class. You know, I had been talking to the WWE for a couple of years at that point, just reaching out to people through Northwestern, reaching out to anyone I could, asking questions, um, and was lucky to be connected with the right people at the right time when they were putting that NIL class together. So that was a great um, segue to get, be able to meet people and then to actually get down here about two months ago now um, and start training was just fantastic. Uh, you know, I came in with a group of very like-minded people and the culture down here is definitely filled with people that uh, I think the Northwestern football family can relate to just hardworking people with chips on their shoulder. Um, and we're all working together, working to, to make each other better. But at the same time, we do all have that goal of, of being on SmackDown on Raw. So it is very, very competitive, which is, um, you know, the culture I've lived in with any football team I've been on. And, and it's one I'm really appreciative to be in and down here. Yeah, that's what I, we we're kind of curious about is is the juxtaposition between football and um, WWE. Like, can you take us through, like, what's a day for you like uh, down there? Like, what's 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 a typical day? What's the what's the routine of a future WWE superstar? Absolutely. Absolutely. So today I, I will I'll start with by saying. Um, today's an uncommon day. Today's Tuesday. Tuesdays are different because Tuesday is our NXT TV days. That's when we're live on USA Network. So, um, you know, I'll be heading into work in about a half hour or so, a little bit different of a day. And uh, 
filming pre-tapes and, and getting ready for the fights at night um, all day, which is an exciting, exciting time. But um, the rest of the days are, uh, it, it's cool. It's very cool. It's something you guys can relate to um, with Northwestern football. Um, I'm getting up, going in, watching some film, usually with a coach or, or, or another wrestler, someone, someone whose uh, style I, I, I'm trying to work on. Um, and then training, training for a couple hours in the weight room, doing conditioning and lifting, um, and then getting in the ring and just working on the art of wrestling. Um, you know, a couple of days a week, definitely going live and running some matches, fighting each other. Um, but also a lot of drilling, um, throughout the, throughout the week, we also work in promo times, um, to develop our characters and things like that. Um, a lot of skull sessions to watch film and uh, it's cool. We also being new, they also have like classes on WWE and wrestling history, which is so rich and so interesting to learn about. And uh, yeah, it's cool. It's been a lot of fun. That's usually the flow of the day, but uh, it's cool uh, on weekends like this upcoming weekend. We're also travel. We travel around Florida and do live shows, which is just great to be with fans. And at the end of the day, that's why I'm doing this whole thing is that that crowd connection being with the fans, even if it is just right now as, as a security role, but uh, to eventually one day be able to connect with them a lot more. That's awesome. So like you, you mentioned being live on USA. So um, that's USA network on Tuesday nights. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Then, Absolutely. Tune in tonight. Fantastic. And then the, you mentioned the pay-per-views as well. And just, you know, for, for all of our NU fans who have followed your career at Northwestern and, and uh, want to dip, dip their toe or, um, or are already wrestling fans and want to make sure they get to, get to see Joe, um, how, when, how often do those pay-per-views happen? When's the next one? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, no Northwestern football fans knowing them. No, no dipping toes. You are breaking your thumb on the remote <laughs> control and you're cannonballing into Peacock TV. Um, For NXT, our premium live events, which are our pay-per-views, those are kind of sporadic throughout the year. They come and go. Um, So we just had one this past Sunday. That was World Collide, which is exciting. So I would definitely say probably at least a couple months till the next um, premium live event from NXT. But as far as WWE goes, if you have a Peacock subscription, you'll be up to date on those. Um, There's a a pay-per-view just about every month coming from the WWE that – uh, even if you're not someone who watches SmackDown and Raw every single week, there's so much you can take and so much entertainment to be found in those pay-per-views especially. So definitely tune in. Peacock is absolutely your one-stop shop uh, for everything WWE. I just got paid for saying that, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> got to get, pl- get your plugs in. Yeah, exactly. I, I wish, I wish. Uh, would the next NXT uh, premium live event be, be kind of around Survivor Series or – has it not necessarily been determined yet? No, nah, it hasn't necessarily been determined yet. Or if it has, I'm not someone that they are uh, uh, putting, <laughs> putting on the priority list to tell. I don't think I don't think that they're getting the word to me as fast, but that's okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So knowing your obviously your schedule is is really hectic. Like I and and maybe transitioning a little bit to football and and this this year's team. How, how did you take in the Ireland game, the Nebraska game, uh, two weekends ago, and um. Just how how excited are you for this squad this year? I was, I mean, I was elated. I was, I was so jacked up for the guys. That was actually great. So we, I mentioned that we travel around Florida for our live shows with our fans, um, which is so fun. But that's that's kind of sporadic. It's not every single weekend. So I was absolutely absolutely geeked when I saw that we weren't traveling that weekend. I was actually with um, Stephen Reese. Oh, nice. Who played uh, played football. One of the best special teamers teamers the cast had. Um, he of the Macarena. Yes, exactly, exactly. Much, 
much better known for his sideline dancing, unfortunately for Steve. But uh, I watched Stephen Reese and his uh, girlfriend, Leighton Yonor. Shout out to the Northwestern lacrosse team, as well as uh, Megan Morant, who is a uh, uh, correspondent for SmackDown and a former Northwestern cross-country wildcat. So I uh, had a good, good Northwestern crew to watch with down here in Orlando, and we were we were lazing into the game. We were going nuts. The, uh, the sports bar we were at actually lost power for a second, and uh, we, we were getting heated, to say the least. So we were, we were relieved when it got, came back on and we were able to see him finish the game, but uh, just couldn't be more happy for the guys. You know, I know a lot of people were kind of, oh, we're so shocked by their win. We're shocked. We're surprised. And I was elated for the guys, as I said, but definitely not shocked because I know, that, I know the standard that they are held to in that locker room and not just the guys on the team, but everyone in that program is held to an extremely high standard. So I was just really happy for them. Uh, with, with Northwestern playing Duke uh, this weekend, um, I'd be interested, like, how, you know, they've got a, a whole new coaching staff, a whole new system. Um, how different is it, you know, preparing for a team that, you know, many of the guys some uh, were on the field last year, but now have a completely different system? How different is it preparing for a game like that than, say, like against Iowa, where you know exactly what you're going to get? Yeah, I mean, I think, Big Ten West play is so unique in that, you know, a team like I or a team like Wisconsin, you know, you know exactly what you can get. But it, it, as football goes in general, um, every week is a new game and every week is a new team, no matter what. Every, every single Iowa and Wisconsin, you think you know what you're going to get. But there is a different flavor of the week that they're going to bring, a flavor of the year that they have. Um, so, I, I mean, from a defensive line's perspective, I don't think it changes too much. You know, speaking from my preparation for a game like this in the past few years, it would still be the same same fundamentals first and foremost and the same basic schemes first and foremost. I know um, I know, Coach O'Neill will have those guys ready to go this year. I'm sure he's made his proper adjustments and everything he needs to do. Um, and him and Coach Lawn and McGargle and the rest of that defensive staff will have it, you know, as dialed in and dumbed down as possible for the guys because at the end of the day um, – if you're, you could be thinking during the week, but if you're thinking out there on Saturday, that's when you're shooting yourself in the foot. And I, based off the way the guys played in Ireland, um, that's not how they're going to be playing this weekend. So I'm excited to see them fly around. How do you how do you prepare for a mobile quarterback like what what Duke has coming in? Absolutely. I mean, I know I know for a fact that Coach Lawn will have those defensive linemen running this week. I can remember on weeks like this, we'd have our our scramble drill, which is basically just a either a two or a four man pass rush game versus the offensive line. And they would find basically the fastest kid that was running mostly practice squad reps on the team and put him at quarterback and say, okay, once one of them win, just start running. And it would basically be a 30 second play of the defensive line just chasing down this walk on with some wheels. And uh, that, that's how you prepare. That's how we got ready to go, which is getting ready for longer plays because this is a quarterback that can extend the play. Um, so just coming down from a defense line perspective, again, just having rush lane integrity, um, being on the same page as the defensive end or the defensive tackle you're next to um, so that you know where each other's at. You don't want to, you can't create holes for this type of guy. So I know that coach Lawn and coach Neil are, are, are dialing that in for the guys and, and preaching that and keeping them very disciplined on the ways that they're rushing. They got it. They got to win inside. Um, that's going to be the key in my mind is those guys in the middle, big Tayshawn, big Devin, uh, winning in the middle and collapsing the pocket so he, so that he only has one place to go. Because I'll take I'll take Tommy Adebayor or Sean McLaughlin running someone down on the edge any day. We were curious. You mentioned Marty Long a couple of times. We're kind of of the opinion that when it comes to Big Ten, when it comes to defensive line coaches, right? Like Larry Johnson at Ohio State's always a name who gets mentioned so much, and we kind of feel like, well, like, look, 
Marty Long is he's building awesome defensive lines. He's cranking out at guys into the NFL. I mean, we almost feel like he's one of those guys where it's like, put some respect on Marty Long's name. Uh, we're, Hell so yeah. We're, so we're kind of curious, like, I mean, is there a particular Marty Long story or like something interesting, you know, that you oh. that you that you'd like to throw out? Gosh. Oh man. I mean, let's first off shout out Marty Long. He's producing WWE superstars for some. Oh yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Marty Long, Coach Long's a great coach. Um I have so many stories about Coach Long, and I'm trying to think which one could be the best to tell. Um, gosh, this might even be maybe we do a Maybe for the maybe 600th episode, we just do a Marty Lawn spectacular. <laughs> have him in here. It could almost be a kind of roast of Marty Lawn. And you guys can have defensive linemen from all different generations come in and tell a story <laughs> and just kind of make a little cheers to him because there's definitely enough stories to go around. Um, none that I'm willing to share right now. Frankly, <laughs> no. I, I, I need. I would need to fine tune it up and. Obviously, you know, early in the season, I don't need to create any drama in the defensive hey, line. Nope. <laughs> Coach Law knows that everything everything I would say is said with love for him. But at the same time, I don't want a freshman, hey, Coach Law, what was this all about? And then, you know, let's just keep them laser on the game, keep me laser on NXT TV, and we'll call it there. Like I said, I think I think maybe around episode 600, we circle back and have a Marty Long spectacular. Sure, absolutely. absolutely. So one other thing, you know, the, the last thing we wanted to add real quick is, it's funny, we, we played a clip right before we had you come in again going all the way back to that signing day where we talked about you and uh and kind of called that you'd have the number one jersey on what i'm dying about right now is we in the extended version of that clip if if the audio had been allowed to run the very next thing we talked about was a potential dance-off between you and steven reese and i can't believe that all these years Check that later, out. all these yeah. years later we we live three minutes from each other in Orlando, Florida. What are the odds? Incredible. I love it. I love it. Let the record show. I would absolutely smoke Stephen Reese in a dance-off, and I think he knows that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, what's the thing you are most excited about uh, this upcoming weekend against Duke, just to, to hopefully see play out on the field, um, big picture or little picture? Hands down, um, I think – non-true football fans will think this is a little picture thing. Anyone who knows football knows this is the whole entire picture. This determines everything. I am so excited to see the line of scrimmage again, to watch our offensive and defensive line. Um, they did great versus Nebraska. They came to play. They were violent, and they won the line of scrimmage all day. There's, I don't think there's anyone in the country on ESPN in Chicago or Nebraska that would disagree with that. That determines the game, and that determined our game versus Nebraska, and that will determine every single game we play. Um, I love the beef that we have up front on the offensive line with Conrad Raleigh and Josh Preeb and Charlie holding it down in the middle. And obviously um, two draft picks on the edges and even Whitaker and obviously big Skronk. Um And they just need to play like it. I I've gone against those guys. There was probably no one I, I got more excited for, but also dreaded going against than Conrad because he is a violent, violent dude. And sure. I love that, but He's late in the season when you're still knocking heads with Conrad Rowley, you're going to be feeling it. And I'm just so excited to see him have another great game and um, just run the ball. I loved how great Ryan was throwing, but I want to see them run the ball. Um, and then as far as the defensive line, like I said, pass rush lane integrity, they need to stop the run and then they need to be ready to run with that quarterback. Um, and I'm just, I just want to see him do it. Um, I'm not saying anything that are any secrets. I guarantee these are things at the top of their 
the top of their list at the top of their keys to win in this week. So I just want to see them execute it. Cause I think, I think both of those groups have the potential to be really, really, really special this year. And that just gets me so excited. Up Cause I, I know guys in those groups and I know how hard they work and um, it excites me. It really, it really does. Well, Hey Joe, I don't, I know you got to get going. So yeah, know, we we'll, we'll let you go here. All right. Um, no, I just kind of, you know, any final thoughts, like, you know, what do you got coming up? Obviously, you know, more training, um, are you going to get a little bit more security TV time coming up or? Yeah. I mean, I would de- definitely, uh, definitely got a feeling, um, definitely got a feeling that security might be needed tonight. I'm not sure in which ways, but, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll just, I'll just say that, uh, that the NXT roster can get a little reckless. So uh, we'll be in this security role for a little bit and, uh, keep it, keeping things held down. But, um, I'm definitely excited. Um, definitely excited to keep pursuing this dream down here. Um, just such a special opportunity and such a fun one that so many people dream about. So to be able to be down here and have the opportunity to connect with the WWE universe, um, has just been great, but also excited to get up for a couple cat games. I'll be at SIU, um, a week from Saturday. So I'm jacked for that. I will absolutely stop by the pirate ship. Um, right. Absolutely. And then, uh, excited to be home for Thanksgiving and see the cast, uh, hopefully be closing out an excellent, excellent season. Versus our rival and get get that damn hat back. Yeah, it's a travesty that hat is is down <gasps> south right now. It's just a travesty. <gasps> we'll get it back. The boy boy's gonna get it back this year, and I will have I will absolutely finally be able to sleep more than three hours a night. <laughs> there you go. Well, Joe, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, thank you so much, and we will definitely have to have you back on um, at some point in the future. Absolutely, absolutely. I look forward to that, and uh, congratulations on 500 episodes, dude. Seriously, I'm. I'm so blessed to be a part of the Northwestern family, football family, and I'm, I know you guys are too, so uh, let's keep this train rolling. I'm jacked for the boys this weekend. Let's go. Well, that was Joe Spivak, and oh my God, guys, like that was that was amazing. I'm trying to think of like the, the equivalent to like Tom Brady backing up Drew Bledsoe for that one year is what it's is the equivalent of having Joe Spivak be a security guy on NXT. <laughs> okay. You can only, you, you can only contain that supernova for so long. WWE let the man cook. Uh, but I, but I'm sure that's, that's all coming down the road, but for now we can all tune into USA tonight and watch it. Oh, we, I, I will be, I'll be uh, adjusting my DVR. Um, the moment this podcast ends, if you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go Cats. Well, let's get into uh, this weekend's game. Um, Duke coming in, um, you know, we saw them shutting out Temple, uh, but, you know, we go back to our Duke preview, didn't really think too much of their defense. And while, yes, they did shut out Temple, it's not like Temple is the uh, Clemson of the Philadelphia area. Well, okay, let me just say this off the bat, because you're talking about the defense, and if you go back to that defensive preview, I didn't talk about Duke's defense at all that game. That was just a vent session on what happened in the Duke game last year, okay? So there are a lot of you 
thinking, all right, well, let's go into that game. You didn't say anything about Duke's defense at all. All right, let's talk about Duke's defense then. Duke's defense is awful, okay? It's awful. That's not hubris. That's not me saying Duke was literally the worst defense in the country last year. The worst defense in the country. 13 yards worse per game than the next worst defense, okay? That's who they are. Now, you might be looking, like Sam said, at that 30 nothing blanking of Temple. I encourage you all to watch the highlights of that game. Temple, who was the fifth worst offense in all of college football last year, literally can't execute a quarterback to running back exchange. That is where Temple's offense is. That's why Temple has been blown out eight games in a row. That's why they've scored less than 10 points in six of those games. Temple can't execute basic exchanges on offense without putting the ball on the deck, okay? This is not all a way of saying it because a ton of you are being like, you are just jinxing us like crazy. No, I'm not. It's beyond there should be an expectation that we put up big offensive numbers in this game. It should be an expectation it may also be a necessity. Duke can really do some crazy stuff on the offensive side of the ball, and we're going to need it. If you want me to focus in on two players, it's super easy to do that for defense. Duke's best players are their linebackers, just like Nebraska's best players are their linebackers. The difference is Duke only plays two. Nebraska played four. Uh, Shaka Hayward and Dorian Mousey are the guys for Duke. Those guys fly all, all over the place. They make tackles. They were the two leading tacklers against Temple. Those were the two guys we highlighted in the 2021 preview coming into this season. They're great. They're smart football players. They move around. They're also very small. And you know what? So is Duke's defense overall. They get manhandled in the trenches. We listened to the god Joe Spivak talk about the fact that he thinks it's all going to happen in the trenches. And that's that's the thing. That's where it's going to happen. But again, I'm saying the pressure should be on our offense because, frankly, you know, it was a horror show in Durham last year. Um, we were about the only team who turned in a performance like that against Duke's defense last year. All of that revenge should be built up. Um, all that desire to pound them should be built up. And again, and I'll, you know, I'll hand it to Scuzz to talk about it, but it's like we're probably going to need some points in this game. Real talk. We need to move the ball and score points because I think we think Duke can get points on their side of the ball. Yeah, like I, I, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be anxiety ridden about this game until it's over. I like Duke has just been a a tough, tough out for Northwestern teams in our era of fandom. I think I think the Cats are what four and three or three and four during the Fitz era. I can't remember. It's it's pretty close to even. Um, you know, on on paper, Northwestern's team 100% looks a lot stronger than Duke's. I mean, you look at you look at the offensive line performance against Nebraska last weekend. Uh, you you look at the matchup here. You know, when I talked about Duke's running backs and skill position guys like uh, Jalen Calhoun, their do everything wideout is awesome and remains awesome. I think Northwestern showed they can handle a guy similar similar to that in the way they they uh, took care of Trey Parker. Um, at uh, against Nebraska, you know, somebody somebody who gets moved all over the formation. That's what Duke does with Calhoun. Uh, he's he's fast. He's elusive. Um, our secondary, I think, is up to the challenge there. Our offensive line can 100% plow Duke's defense, like John just described. The thing is, though, until I see it, I'm going to be I'm I'm just going to be an, an, an anxious. And 
we've just seen underperformance too many times in the past. And I'm not, I'm not calling for it. I'm not suggesting it's going to happen. Um, I think the, the revenge factor is, is huge. I think the fact that the, the, the team got a full two weeks here from the Nebraska game is critical. You saw how, I don't know how bad Nebraska looked against North Dakota last weekend. Um, they've had the time to digest and enjoy and relish that Ireland win. And they've had the time to flush it and to really focus on exacting revenge on a team that, that really punched Northwestern in the mouth last year. I think the the critical piece for this game, you know, when you've got a guy like Riley Leonard on the other side, who was do everything for Duke last weekend. Um, we saw him at points last year. He's uh, a true dual threat guy. Keep him on the sideline. Let's let's run the ball yeah, down their throat. It's a great point. You know, it's not just the O line. We talked after the Nebraska game about how Evan Hall and Cam Porter punish defenders, especially Cam Porter. And it's it's a matchup that is well suited to our talent. It's a matchup that is well suited to the way our coaching staff likes to run games. Like we should we should just attack Duke on the ground up the middle. Um, every which way on Saturday and, and use, use that to control the clock uh, to, to be, to be time Lords uh, much like we've talked about how Minnesota has done uh, last year and seems like they're, they're on that same path this year. So um, that's like the, the path is very much there. I will remain um, very worried until the final whistle. Well, I think the other piece of that too is, so I think we had kind of talked in the run up to the fact that, like, okay, so how's Duke going to go at us? And I think my kind of pet theory coming in um, was that Duke is that they're all about testing our linebackers because they had success to the perimeter against our linebackers that year, that year. And that's where we're going to, that's where I was going to test. Now in the back of my mind, I was like, well, Mateo Durant's not there anymore. And I think they had, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, I think they lost another running back too. Um, Durant's but, the one that matters though, because he's the only right, he he was right, the one that did right virtually all the damage last year. Right, and and the thing is, Duke didn't have more horses in the stable. There, you can watch the, the Temple highlight. Duke's not trying to run the ball this year. They just they can't. Uh, they don't have the ponies in the trenches to do that, and they don't have the backs to go to the perimeter anymore. So that trick's out for them. They didn't even try really to do it against Temple. What they can do is a couple of things. Number one, Leonard is such a pain in the ass. Um, he is – he. if you look at his stats from Temple, you'll see I think he was their leading rusher. All of that was out of pass sets. He just knows when to run. He gets back there and then he's like, I see a, I see a hole. I'm going for it. And he takes off and he's really good at it. And it sucks to have to play quarterbacks like that. And he's really good at doing that. The other piece of it, too, is, yes, Duke's not going to be attacking our guys with that perimeter running. But they are going to hit us with the other thing they had a lot of success with. And you see it on Temple. And, and Scuzz mentioned uh, Calhoun. He's a big piece of it. They love wheel routes. They run them with running backs. They run them with wide receivers, off sprints. It's attacking the linebacker core. They try to stress the linebackers with real routes. They'll send a wide out on a fly, clear out the corner, and wheel route into that area and just try to test your running backs. They did it against us last year. They're going to try to do that again this year. I think if you look at on Duke's tape, the three guys that they're going at are going to be Eric Mueller, 
who again, like he's he was awesome against Nebraska. He's just young, and they're going to just try to go at him. Nebraska did it with their tight ends in their game. They're just looking at lack of experience and trying to attack it underneath. Rod Hurd, who talk about a tale of two halves for Rod Hurd in the Duke game last year. I mean, Rod Hurd was one of the guys who had a really rough first half against Duke and then was great in the second half. But I think you're going to see a lot of Rod Hurd in this game and Duke's going to go at him. And then we don't know, but if Garnett Hollis is playing in this game, Duke is going to do the other thing that Duke, I mean, Scuzz talked about our history with Duke, as long as you can go back. Duke runs that RPO quick slant game again and again and again. They create a mesh in the backfield and then they chuck it right out of that mesh on a hard slant and just try to get a catch and run. And well, well it's very mentally taxing for defense because right. like it just it requires a ton of concentration. You're you're constantly having to read what's happening, um, maintain your discipline, maintain your your assignment. And they just, they're just looking for, they've kind of, they've kind of got a play that as long as they throw it right and catch it right, they're going to gain yards every time. Right. Through and that's through one option or the other. The, the question is who's going to break first. Are they going to make a mistake first or is the defense going to make a mistake first? It is designed to stress you mentally. Um, and you mentioned, I think, I think you said Eric Miller. I think you meant Xander Miller. Xander like, Miller. Are, yeah. Yeah. Z- had, Xander. No, I had Eric going all the way back. Right. Sam yeah, mentioned yes. Eric in the, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Gar- Gar- Garnett Hollis, you know, being a, a player with with not a ton of uh, of, of game reps, um, Gallagher, Miller, uh, Mets, like they are going to target our our back seven players and see if see if they can elicit mental mistakes. That's that's going to be the game for Duke on that side of the ball. Absolutely, and, and we don't know the status of AJ Hampton. Obviously, right. you know, Fitz isn't going to talk about. I mean, we can't get a flipping too deep. We're not going to get any injury information on Monday. exactly. And again, and so. and you know, we talked about it. Scus talked about it. Hollis looked great against he Nebraska. Did. He's just young, and Duke's going to go at him. And I think that's the thing. The the biggest piece, if I had to highlight all of it, it's just Leonard is a pain in the ass. He's going to get four-man rushes. I would imagine we're going to try to spy him a little bit, but he just knows when to run, and he knows when to see five to ten yards that he can pick up on the ground, and he goes and gets them. The reason the line – correct me if I'm wrong. I think we opened as six-point favorites, and now it's for, what, nine-and-a-half points? Is that – Nine-and-a-half. Yeah. The reason for that is that we should expect to dominate in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and that's the thing. It's like – enough screwing around not that this team screwed around last week they most certainly did not they went out and took care of business on offense against nebraska same same 500 yards this team gave up more than 500 yards per game last year and we were one of the only teams that didn't cash that check well f that let's go out and just hammer this team 250 on the ground 250 through the air right um that's why the line is where it is. Let's go out and get this because there's a lot of things Duke can get on offense, but there are more things we should get on offense. And that should be the kind of game that this is. Uh, just a, a quick you know, note. Um, obviously, the, it's a home game. Well, we're going to be up there tailgating. We are not 100% sure which parking lot we're in yet. So I, I would at this point say, you know, this is where we're going to be. Uh, It sounds like we're either going to be in the central golf lot or the south golf lot. Um, One of those two, but uh, keep an eye on our, on our social uh, 
Twitter, Instagram, we'll definitely be making announcements where we are uh, on online. So come on by, look for the red pirate flag, say hi. Um, you know, we'd love we'd love to see. We will it. not be renaming ourselves the Golf Lot Pirates, um, <laughs> yeah, no but way. we can speak to like the Golf Lot is a marvelous experience because it's grassy, like it's um, it's 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 a good place to be. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like we're always. We, I think we've been in every spot over the years, and we love all of them. I don't think there's any loser. I mean, obviously, we like being Ho- hospital close to lots not great. Yeah, hospital <laughs> lots. Not, yeah. yeah, hospital lots not great. But South Golf in particular, I South Golf is a special place. I mean, it's away from the stadium is the downside. It's just it really is something about that feel of the grass and the look of the place. It just feels like yeah. fall. You get kids throwing footballs and and everything. But yeah, we should also mention too. I don't know if we've mentioned this too much. We are what are we? 128 um where are we sammy 128 uh section 128 row 56 57 yeah so that's where we sit and sammy and i'll be there um and if you want to come say hi during the game feel free to do that also but we'd love to see you guys at the tailgate before the game we'll hook you up with a beer brought um give you the whole experience so um you know don't really want to spend a whole lot of time going through uh, last week's results. Um, was there anything that kind of stood out for you guys looking at the rest of the Big Ten? I mean, just that like th- th- there are years that we miss stuff, and then there's years that we do pretty well. And if, <laughs> if you listen to our to our previews and the way we broke down what we expected to see from different teams, um, well, our, our hit rate's pretty good right now. Um, I think you know n- Nebraska. We don't need to cover that again. But um, for for some fun, go watch their first half against North Dakota. It was rough, folks. Um, they have an OC that wants to throw the ball and a head coach that doesn't, and it is a uh, it's a train wreck. I can only imagine what those meetings are like. But um, you know, Illinois. We talked about Illinois being a team that that had a lot going for them on defense and a really strong running game, a quarterback that is um, going to be up and down with some inconsistency. We thought they had a great chance to beat Indiana this weekend. They should have won that game. They didn't. I, 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 IU is just a giant, giant question mark. Um, Basilek, the QB that transferred from from Missouri, is like all or nothing. Uh, you've got a Michigan team with a weird quarterback controversy. You've got a Penn State team with hardly an offense at all to go with their epically great defense. Um, Which Scuzz in particular was on people. You can go back and listen to that. Scuzz, Scuzz was Scuzz has been more glass half empty on Penn State than just about anybody. And that that played out pretty strong. Iowa is like, I mean, we we could not have pegged <laughs> Iowa better. I feel they, like folks, they won seven to three. That's not a touchdown. Two safeties and a field goal, my friends. I was going to say, it was basically like a Hollywood screenwriter hastily wrote the Iowa football story. And then the producers were like, this is too on the nose. You need to go back and rewrite this. Uh, I think it was funny. We, we joked on Twitter a little bit that if you look at what we were kind of off on bizarrely, it was the beginning of the Ohio state game. Um, just mainly because well, sort of, well, and that's the thing. CJ Stroud was a little squirrely in that game. I fully expect that, that will be the Ohio State hiccup. I think they're they're against a pretty good defense. I think Stroud, who to his, you know, again, it's not like the first time we've seen that out of Stroud, but He's, he I, struggles when you put him under pressure effectively. And Notre Dame did a good job attacking right. him with the linebackers and putting pressure on him effectively when they blitzed their safeties in the red zone and he and like allowed him an easy pitch and catch to a to a yeah supremely talented talented wideout in one on one coverage like. Of course, Ohio State scored a touchdown, but when they were attacking with their linebackers, they did, they did a really, really good job. 
in in that mold and he struggled early on now he also his top wide out was also injured and out um but that that offense is going to be is going to be just fine um as the it's, year goes on yeah yeah i was going to say i'd say notre dame's got a couple issues number one i think notre dame's offense has got some problems and i think one of the legacies of this game will be that notre dame's offense wasn't good enough to cash the ridiculous chips that they were put in front of them in the first half of this game and potentially build a lead they could do something with and they just weren't able to do it and the other thing brandon joseph's an incredible athlete but to scuzz's point brandon joseph standing flat-footed in the deep third on a dual safety blitz that takes a full five seconds to get where it needs to go that's not a winning play i'm just gonna say you know i was like i think everyone was like notre dame what are you doing on this play they practically handed uh, ohio state a touchdown there but i think yeah regardless i think the buckeyes the buckeye battle station is you know they'll they'll put a couple 600 yard performances up to erase the the stink off of this one which at the end of the day they won you know pretty comfortably and I, I would imagine they're going to be able to start doing that this weekend. Um, just looking through the, the schedule for this weekend, not a lot of interesting matchups. There's only three games on the Big Ten slate where the point spread is under 17 points. Um, you know, we're a nine and a half point favorite. You've got Iowa's a three and a half point favorite over Iowa State and Illinois is a four and a half point favorite over Virginia. Every other game, there is, there's either no line because it's an FCS game or the line is a Big Ten team favored by 17 or more. So, yeah. Yeah. So, El Asico, as the uh, shutdown oh. full cast refers to it, like Iowa, Iowa State um, is your is your like appointment viewing after the end of our game. <laughs> I, I just think like, you know, not all things that are ass are horrible. And in that context, this week, El Asico may be absolute slander on the word ass. I'm like, we need to find another basement for what this game is going to be this weekend. Uh, it, cause, oh my God, this may be just an absolute crime against the game of football. Um, although we should say, right. Iowa state looked pretty good last week. I mean, it wasn't them going out and not scoring any touchdowns. And Sam, you sent us that clip, um, leading the way for Iowa state and probably leading the way for them this weekend is Jairo Brock. Um, we all know him, um, a, a who you know we thought he was going to be a northwestern wildcat and then he picked iowa state and we were all upset at the time uh but you know who got that spot one evan hall so that's worked out quite well for us but uh brock looks like he's doing great work for iowa state right now so um yeah maybe he'll be the only highlight of that otherwise atrocious affair and you know kind of looking around nationally not a, not a ton of you know big matchups there either i mean texas alabama you know because of the laundry people are excited about but that that's not going to be a game um baylor byu is the only uh game matching up two top 25 teams so you know it, it's going to be a fun weekend to just you know kind of kick back uh, come have a drink with us. Uh, come have a bite with us in the uh, in the parking lot or the golf course, uh, whichever wherever we actually are. We'll again we'll let you know. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, it's kind of a standard week two. A lot of cream puff games. Kind of pe- teams getting ready for things, kind of shaking off the rust, uh, trying to decide what they are. And uh, you know, I think we'll get a, a sense after this weekend, especially. Uh, what is the 2022 Northwestern, uh, you know, what do we expect to see? You know, we'll have a, a roadmap, I think, for 
for the rest of the season, you know, coming, coming out of this weekend. Great revenge game. Great opportunity for the cats to uh, put an exclamation point on what was an already an exclamation point start to the season. And um, to really like to really build some momentum going into the rest of non-con and then conference season. So uh, I like I'm jacked up for it. I think it's going to be, I'm, I am, while anxious, I'm cautiously optimistic because the matchups look look good for us. Uh, and but still, just cannot wait to see this team get back out on the field and and hopefully watch them um, do some more punishing. Absolutely, and, and on the back of what Sam said, again, right, the deck is pretty clear this weekend. It should be all about Northwestern, all about Duke. Come find us again. We were gifted such such a great game and such a great experience that we all had remotely while so many of you were in Ireland, but just at this absolute festival to kick off this start of the year. We expect that many of you are going to find us under the red pirate flag and tell us your best Ireland stories. We want to hear every one of those stories. Um, and uh, we will happily hand you a beer and let us uh, tell us, and let us have you tell us every great thing that happened that week. Um, yeah. So oh, again, you know, follow us on, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We'll, we'll let you know where we are. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to then announce that next week where our tailgate spot is uh, for the, the rest of the 2022 season. But uh, um, any last thoughts before we get out of here? Just Joe's the man. Uh, thanks again to Joe Spivak. Tune in, set your DVRs, tune into USA network tonight to, uh, uh, to catch the next um, WWE NXT show look look for joe running security detail and um yeah and thanks to all of you for 500 episodes man absolutely yeah. i mean it's the we the way we watch what has happened to our audience over really like the past i don't know seven or eight years um has just been unbelievable and now the interactions we have with you all online through the pod everything it's just fantastic thank you so much everybody uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there uh, for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates. And you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the west side of Ryan Field playing the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skasboy and Sam Walter, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.